chat and conversation uh, as we're gathering here this morning. Uh, I want to say a particular welcome. If uh, you're visiting with us, it's great to have you along. We hope that you feel welcomed. And yes, this is a slightly uh, different kind of church service that we're having uh, once a month in the hall. Part of the reason we're in here, I suppose there's a few things. It just gives us a wee bit more flexibility. Uh, we're able to sit around tables and actually get to know each other a wee bit and talk a bit more, which I think is a really important part of church. And it also allows us to do some uh, interesting and different things with the kids uh, during the service, when the kids stay in for the whole, uh, the whole service. And we've also got into the habit as well of um, breaking about in about half an hour's time for teas and coffees and chat, and then we'll pick up the second half of the service about 10 minutes after that. So all being well, we still should still be finishing just the back at 12 o'clock, I think, and then you can head home and get on with the rest of your day. But it's fabulous uh, to see so many of you here today. Thank you for coming. You're very, very welcome. And I hope that you're blessed in your time with us this morning. We're going to begin with uh, a couple of hymns, which I'm sure you'll know well, uh, Be Thou My Vision, and then a more modern one called A Touching Place. So let's worship God together as we gather in his praise this morning.
talk with God in prayer. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we're here for many reasons today and we come from many different experiences of life. But the thing that brings us here, the thing that keeps us coming back or makes us want to come is this sense of the need of a vision for our lives. What is life about? What is my life about? Where is it going? Where should I invest myself? What really matters? Where are my passions? Where are the things I really care about? Where are the things that need to change? Lord, this is the important stuff of our lives. And we're glad that we're able, in this time and in the, the week ahead, as we think about you, as we pray, as we read, as we reflect, that we have a framework within which to make sense of it all. Because we believe that the God that we worship here this morning holds it all and is bringing all things to their final conclusion in Christ. So Father, be with us today as we gather, with all the minutiae of our lives, very much in our, in our minds as we gather. We pray that we would hear something today that will speak to our own particular situations and give us a word of encouragement or guidance or challenge, because we ask all of these things through your Son, Jesus Christ. And in this day we pray together saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. really good about being in this space uh, for worship is that we remember that church is a participation sport. Uh, we're not here to merely observe, we're here to take part. And so part of what I like doing is throwing it back to you just for a few minutes to get you talking at your tables. And so I have a couple of questions to kick off with. I'll just give you five minutes in these. Don't spend too long on the first one. Um, oh, we have another hint to do. Sorry, Al. Don't forget that. Okay. Click on it, right? There we go. Yes, table talk. What is your favourite day of the week? Okay. And then secondly, we're thinking a wee bit about Sabbath today. Keeping the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. What is a Sabbath? And why do you think God wants us to keep it? Okay. So I'm going to give you just maybe five minutes to chat about those things where you're at. Anyone else? Hello? Do you want to show me the track? Thank you, Bobby. That's lovely. 
Your daddy's got one of them, has he? Okay. Any other favorite days of the week? Yes, Ben. You like Sunday. Why do you like Sunday, Ben? You get to play football at your house. Are you good at football? Yes, and you don't play football any other day. But Sunday's your favorite day for football. Excellent. I'll tell you a wee story about that in a minute. Okay, good. Thanks, Ben. Any other preferences for days? Yes. Remind me of your name. Is it Sophia? Olivia. I was going to say Sophia, but it's Olivia. You like Friday. Unusual choice. Why do you like Friday? It's movie night. So do you go out to the cinema or do you get together at the lounge under the duvets and watch a DVD or on Netflix? That's a special thing having, and who gets to choose? Who gets to choose the movie? It's Okay, kids first, then the parents, that's the way it should be, yes. Very good, thank you Olivia, that's a super answer, that's good, good, okay. My favourite day of the week? Anybody guess what my favourite day of the week is? Um, no. No? Evan? Sunday? No, close but no cigar, right. <laughs> Annie? Friday! I was, Annie, Annie and I were talking about Fridays uh, the last time we were chatting. Friday's my favourite day of the week because Friday is my Sabbath. So Friday's the day when I act as though my work is done even when it is not done. And I learned this many years ago from a pastor called uh, Eugene Peterson. He said, you need to have a day in the week when you don't have to feel useful, when you don't have to feel that it all sits in your shoulders, when you can step away from your work and just be a human being rather than a human doing. We are so busy doing things all the time. If we have the freedom to do so, it's an incredible gift to have a day in the week and we're just being. So Friday for me is my Sabbath, and that's the day when I play. So sometimes I play by maybe going running, sometimes I play by writing, sometimes I play by um, playing my guitar, doing some music, um, and I love Friday. It's been a very, very special day for me. So when God gave us this idea of Sabbath, what do you think? He was wanting for us in a Sabbath. What do you think God was wanting? Sorry? A day of reflection, so time to reflect, yeah. And you can only reflect if you're slowing down a wee bit, can't you? Yeah. So some time for reflection. But does that just mean that you sit in your room and reflect all day? No. So what, what else do you think might be important in a Sabbath? Annie? Peace and quiet, yeah. And I know that you're, you're a nature person, so peace, part of kind of getting out into nature is a part of it, and enjoying this amazing creation that God has given us. I don't know many of you work that creation, so maybe getting out into nature is not as peaceful, but go for a walk and enjoy the beauty of this place that we live in, going to the beach, getting exercise, using your body, all that's really important. Anything else? What do you think God might want for us on the Sabbath? To think about God. To think about God, yes, thank you. I think Sabbath is an important day in the week because God wants us to reconnect with Him and to reconnect with others and to reconnect with ourselves and to reconnect with the world around. And the amazing thing about Sabbath 
It's, it's a gift. God, in giving us this commandment to observe the Sabbath, he's not wanting to lay burdens on us. He's actually wanting us to rest. He's commanding us to rest. And we actually need to do that sometimes because we can be so busy doing things that we forget to rest. And we weren't meant to be in perpetual motion all the time. But here's the thing. Human beings, being what we are, it didn't take us long, having been given this amazing command to rest, for all the benefits that we get from that, it didn't take us long to turn that into a list of things that we shouldn't do on the Sabbath. And I have to say, growing up in my part of the world, Sabbath was much more about what you didn't do than what you did do. So you couldn't go to the shops, a lot of shops weren't open in those days, but you're not a bad thing. And you couldn't do a wash and you couldn't hang a washing up. I, Ben, I couldn't kick football on the Sabbath when I was growing up. Because the neighbours might hear. And that would be a bad thing to hear this, this boy playing football on the Sabbath. You weren't meant to do that. And if my granny, who lived with us, had caught me kicking football on the Sabbath, I would have got the back of her hand. That wouldn't have been good. Um, and we all, I think, are aware of... The, the reports, and whether these are true or not, some of you might tell me about in the Highlands, they would chain up the swings on a Sunday, so nobody would ever be found playing on the Sabbath, because that was disrespectful to God, they thought. And yet what they don't know, these people who did that, is that John Calvin, who was the founder of our tradition, the Reformed tradition, John Calvin would take a church service in the morning, and he would go out in the afternoon, and he would play skittles, or in the winter he would go ice skating with the rest of Geneva, where he ministered. So praying and playing are not two different things. They actually belong together. We need both. We need to pray and we need to play. And I think that's part of the reason that God gave us the Sabbath, to do both things. Now in the Bible story we're looking at today, the Pharisees, the religious leaders... They had turned the Sabbath, which was meant to be this gift of a day of rest, they had turned it into a big, long list of thou shalt nots, all the things you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath. And that's at the heart of today's Bible story. But to help us feed our way into it, I need a wee bit of help from the boys and girls at this point. So what I want you to do, you've got your packs, I want you to get a felt tip pen, Make sure the lid is on the felt tip pen, because we don't want to be writing on the floor, okay? So put the lid on the felt tip pen and then come and join me out at the front, okay? Here you come, boys and girls, with your felt tip pen. Hello. Good, good, good. Turn around. Face everyone. That's good. Here you come, Evan. Here you come, Olivia. Don't be shy. Good girl. Right. Good. Any other boys and girls want to join in? Ellie's coming. Lucy's coming. Brilliant. Very good. Right. What I want you to do, Ben, you come out too. Come on. Excellent. Right. Oh, one's going to help. Okay. So what I want you to do is I want you to pretend that this felt tip pen that you've got is a walking stick, and you've got to lean right over, and you've always got to touch the ground with your walking stick. Okay. Would you like to do that, Ben? Yeah. Good man. Okay. Right, 
Take a little walk around. See how that feels now? You have to always keep the stick on the ground. Okay, very good. How does that feel? Oh, well, you're standing up already. Let's keep that stick down. Good. Keep walking around. How does it feel? Would you be able to do the normal things that you'd like to do? Bobby's going to touch a cow to the ground. Okay, you touch that right down, Bobby. You're going to show me the cow. That's all right. So how does that feel? What would you not be able to do if you had to walk around all day like that and you could not stand up? What would you not be able to do? I was... You couldn't play. Now, I know that you're quite into something at the minute because you've been at a camp this week, haven't you? Learning how to play football. So how would you fancy playing football like this? It wouldn't be great, would it? Or what about dancing? Any dancers? It would be hard to dance if you were bent over like this all the time, wouldn't it? And it would be hard to do hide and seek and to play games, wouldn't it? Okay. And you know one other thing that's really hard? If you're bent over like this all the time, one thing that's really hard is that you can't look at people in the face. Okay, bend like over. Right, okay, now try and look up at me without standing up. Oh, my neck! It's really hard, isn't it? So if you're bent over like this all the time, it's really hard for you to look at people in the eye and to connect with them and make friends. Yeah? Okay. Well, thank you for sure. It's not boys and girls. You've made the point very well. Give them a round of applause. I'm going to turn the cows to Bobby. There you go. So, the lady in the story that we're going to hear just now, this lady had a problem with her back that meant that she was always bent over like that. And it really affected her life. Wouldn't it be a good thing if somebody could do something about that? So Peter and Carol are going to come out now. And we are going to read you a little version of this story. So this is from Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 13. So Peter's going to be Jesus. And I'm going to be the Pharisee, and Carol's going to be the woman in the story. It was Saturday, the Sabbath, and I'd gone to the local synagogue to teach. It was crowded. People were listening, and as I spoke, I looked around the room. Nearly hidden by those standing around her, I could see a woman. She was called what people called crippled bent over, not able to stand up straight, only able to look at the floor. I asked her to come closer to me so that I could be sure that she would hear me. And I said to her, woman, you are free from what holds you down. And then I laid my hands on her and she stood up straight. She was able to look me in the eye and she did. She gave thanks to God and then the leader of the synagogue came over to see what was going on. I could hardly believe it. I was incandescent. He calls himself a rabbi and he was healing on the Sabbath. I quickly told everybody that the law prohibits work on the Sabbath day. I didn't want them to think that I approved of law-breaking in my synagogue. I told everyone that there were six days when work is allowed. 
Come on those days if you want to be healed, but not on the Sabbath. The woman looked at me. I had not seen her face before. I thought she would be ashamed, but she was smiling. Smiling at everyone. And people were smiling back at her. And Jesus appeared to have more to say. What could I say to him? What would make sense to him? I reminded him that the law allowed us to care for our animals on the Sabbath. So surely, when I saw a woman who could benefit from my care, I could do nothing else but heal her. If a donkey didn't need to wait for a drink until the day after the Sabbath, why should she wait to be set free? He looked at me. He didn't answer. And then he looked away. I can see people's faces. I can see my family. I can see my friends. I can see where I'm going. I can see the tops of trees and houses. I can see the sky. I can feel the sun on my face. I saw the face of the man who spoke to me, the man whose hands touched me. It was a kind face. He was smiling. It felt like God was smiling at me. Thank you. So we're going to think a little bit more about that story um, after the break, but for now we're going to just uh, remain at our tables and we're going to have. Uh, a cup of tea and a pint piece and our thanks in advance to the folk in the kitchen who are helping out with us today.
for a Sunday. There are lots of different rabbit trails that you could follow uh, when it comes to preparing a sermon. And this Sunday's story is no exception. We can talk, as we have done a wee bit, about what it means to have a Sabbath and to keep a Sabbath. Sabbath, as I said earlier, was given to us by God as a gift. A day in the week when we could set our work aside and reconnect with God, with others, with ourselves, and with nature. And yet somehow, throughout history, human beings have managed to turn this great gift of the Sabbath into a long list of thou shalt not. We might notice if we read the actual Bible reading from Luke 13 that Luke says that this woman had a spirit that crippled her. And we might find ourselves wondering what on earth that means. Was there something spiritual going on here? Or is this just what people did in the ancient world, attributing things that they couldn't understand or explain to the world of spirit? We could think what it would have been like to live with her illness. What would it be like to go through life unable to lift your head and take in the beauty of the world? Or to look into the faces of people around you and have them treat you as an equal? And the boys and girls gave us a feel for what that would be like. And it's also interesting that this is one of the few places in the Gospels where Jesus heals someone without them or a friend coming to him for help. Why does he single out this woman? And why does he choose to do so in this particular context? That's interesting. And as with all the healing stories, we might well wonder what they have to say to us and our loved ones in our time and place. As someone born into a family with two disabled people, those questions are never very far from the surface for me. But none of those things are my focus for this morning. Instead, all I want to do is draw your attention to one particular moment in this story because I think it's fascinating. Luke tells us that when Jesus saw this crippled lady, he called her over and he said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. Woman, you are set free from your ailment. Not, you will be set free, you will shortly be set free, you are set free. Now did she look like she was set free in that moment? What do you think? I don't think she was, because according to the text, she was still bent over until he laid hands on her. In verse 13. So if you were writing this as a story, if you were making this up, you wouldn't have Jesus saying, look, you're set free from your ailment. At the beginning, you would have him say that at the end. Once she had straightened up, look, you're set free from your ailment. But that's not what happened. He says those words at the beginning before there's even the slightest hint that she's about to get out He's speaking as though what's going to happen in the future has already happened and is already true. And that's weird. 
But when you stop and think about it, isn't that what always happens in the scriptures when God speaks? In Genesis, how many times do we hear the words, and God said, let there be, and it was so. Let there be light, let there be water, let there be creatures, and it was so. Through the prophet Isaiah, God says, the word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And Paul tells us in Romans that our God gives life to the dead and calls things that are, sorry, calls things that are not as though they were. He calls things that are not as though they were. God's word is a creative word that brings things into being and that's drawing his whole creation into the future that he desires for it and has achieved for it through the life, death, resurrection and ascension of Christ. And in today's story, something of that glorious future is breaking into the now and bringing this poor woman the healing that she so desperately longs for. And as I thought about this story, I found myself wondering something. I found myself wondering when she begins to feel well. Was it when Jesus said, you are set free from your ailment? Did she feel the strength flowing into her body at that point? Or did the healing only start to flow when she found the faith to trust him to try and uncurl her spine and stand up straight when he laid his hands on her. Well, we can't know. But part of me thinks it's more likely that it was the latter. Because scripture is very clear that faith matters in receiving what God has for us. We are saved and healed and restored by grace, it's all God's work. But faith is the way that we connect with that work and we lay hold of that gift and make it our own in the present moment. And maybe that's a good thought to end with this morning. As we remember that this, that, that, as we remember this woman's story, but also reflect on the ways in which we too can be crippled. Because it's not just bodies that can be crippled. Minds and hearts and souls can be crippled too. Crippled by doubts, by stress, by boredom, by circumstances, by loneliness, by worries, by illness, and sometimes by the consequences of our poor and often sinful choices. Can we hear Jesus bringing us the good news this morning? Telling us that in his future, which comes alive in the present, he has already freed us from those things. Because everything that binds us, everything that keeps us down, everything that defeats us was dealt with at the cross. And those things have no place in the future that he has won for us. That's the truth. But maybe we don't feel like freedom right now. Maybe we've lived with things for so long that we can't even begin to imagine getting 
getting out from underneath him. If that's the case, can we find the faith to trust him with them, even if we can't see them for ourselves? To trust him for the long, slow process of straightening up and straightening out that will see us over time inherit the fullness of life that we were always made for. Are we ready to keep looking to him for the healing that is already ours in Christ? You are already set free, already loved, already in the way to wholeness, Jesus says. And whether it takes us a second, or a day, or a year, or a lifetime to respond to that in faith, that is what he has done for us in Christ, to God's eternal praise. Amen. Now boys and girls, you've been working away diligently this morning. Is there anything you would like to show us? If so, you want to bring it out so we can have a look? Zoe's made, Zoe's made an activity all of her own. It says, Welcome to the church. With some lovely colours, but not worth a big round of applause. Thank you. That's you want to keep this, or you want to keep it? I'll keep it. Okay, thank you very much. It's beautiful, thank you. We'll get that up on the wall so we can all see it. Anyone else want to show me anything they've made? Well, is she? She's shy. She's shy. You've been doing some lovely work. Or is Mom doing the colouring? I'm not sure which. Okay. Ellie, don't just show me something. What have you been doing? Oh, you made the lead. Yes. Oh, very good. She's done some colouring. Brilliant. You've done a wee bit of colouring. She coloured in Jesus and the lady who got healed. Yeah, well, that's not for you, Bobby, because you need it, wouldn't you? Right, Ellie? Okay, there you go. And you've done the lady. Good folding, too. I can see she looks sad. And then she looks happy. Well done. It's for you. Oh, well done. What have you done? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who's this? Is it you? And is this, who's this doggy? Is this, this is your dog? Oh, what's your dog called? Fudge. Oh my, well, I can eat him up. He looks lovely. He looks gorgeous. Thank you very much for showing us that. Well done. Who's your Yeah, so you've done some good colouring here too. You're colouring it. And you've also done your folding for the lady. That's very tricky. You've done a good job there, Lizzie. Thank you. Well done. And Bobby. You want to show me a pencil that you've got. Thank you. Oh, and you want to break a cup. Okay, there we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Very good. Um, Ali's going to come there and lead us uh, in a wee prayer. so that we can accept your love. Many of us are crippled by doubts, by stress, by boredom, by circumstances, by loneliness, by worry, or illness, or poor choice. Dear God, help us to understand that you love and care for us, and if we believe in you and follow your ways, you can set us free from our trouble, troubles, knowing that you will protect and guide us in our lives. Dear God, we remember that following your ways includes recognizing others who are struggling and help 
and should be, we should be helping them through the hard times. So young people, if, we, if you see someone lonely or worried at school or nursery, please chat to them and include them in your activities to make them feel better. In this way, you will be sharing God's love. Some people be, will be worried about changes in their lives. It could be starting a new job or going into a new class at school or nursery, worried about what the future holds and what decisions to make after learning their exam results. We pray that they can lay down their worries and put their faith in you, Lord, to help them through these difficult times. Amen. Thanks, Sally. Uh, we're going to finish our service now in the words of hymn 719, The One Who Longs to Make Us Whole. Let's worship God together.